This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. In our fourth week, it's kind of hard to believe that we're in our fourth week of a series that we're calling Faith 2.0, Faith at a Higher Level, Faith in a way that you've never been in before. Something new, something fresh, deeper, higher, wider, fuller, a life of faith at a different level. John chapter number six will be this week's particular rendering of uh, scripture for us. I'm, I'm going to choose to go in this particular uh, opening text reading. I'm going to read from the message this morning. Of course, we'll dabble in, in back into the King James Version here in just a moment, but I want you to hear the color, the color that's expressed in the uh, particular portion of Scripture through the message rendering. Verse number one. After this, Jesus went across the Sea of Galilee. Some call it Tiberias. A huge crowd, a huge crowd followed him. And I love this. this. This has almost been something that we've dealt with all month long. Attracted by the miracles. They were attracted by the miracles they had seen him do among the sick. When he got to the other side, he climbed a hill and he sat down surrounded by his disciples, and it was nearly time for the feast of the Passover that they kept annually. And when Jesus looked out and saw that a large crowd had arrived, he says to Philip, where can we buy bread to feed these people? Here we see a great understanding of the shepherd of, the, of a father, of a lover of people. Here's Jesus Christ with so much things he could be thinking and so many things he could be saying, but yet, Brent, he takes a moment and thinks to himself and then he shares it with his followers. I think these people are getting hungry. Where can we get them some bread? Always concerned about who? Others. He says, where can we buy bread to feed these people? He said this to stretch Philip's faith because don't you know, don't you know Philip was standing there? Oh, what was that? What was that, Lord? And Jesus says, where can we buy bread to feed these people? Are you talking about, about us? No, these people. Huh? Those people? <laughs> he says, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? And Philip answered, 200 silver pieces wouldn't be enough money to buy bread for each of these people. So now we have the carnal, the flesh, the humanity. We're already putting pencil to paper. We're running calculations. And we say, even if we had an enormous amount of money, we still couldn't buy bread for this kind of a crowd. And one of his disciples, it happened to be Andrew, the brother to Simon Peter, said, hey, uh, for what it's worth, there's a little boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. And get this, is this not 2015 type of vernacular? But that's a drop in the bucket for a crowd like this. 
And Jesus said, make the people sit down. Everyone just sit down. There was a nice carpet of green grass in this place. They sat down and about 5,000 of them. And Jesus took the bread. And having given thanks, he gave it to those who were seated. And he did the same with the fish. All ate as much as they wanted. When the people had eaten their fill, he said to his disciples, Now go on out there and gather the leftovers so nothing is wasted. And they went to work and filled 12 large baskets with leftovers from the five barley loaves. Are there any leftover fans in the room? Are, are, there, any, are there anyone that's anti-leftover? <laughs> it's so funny to take polls like that. Because we really show who we really are. There's some people like, I won't throw anything away. And then there's other people that says, keep the leftovers. I have a problem. I have a hang up with that thought. The neat thing about this story is, is that every single person ate till they were filled, till they were full, until they were completely content. And yet there were still leftovers to be gathered up. Lord Jesus, over the next few moments, I ask you to just Come upon me, settle upon me. And I ask you, Lord, to let the Holy Spirit anoint every word that flows out of my mouth. You know the time I've spent with you this week. And you know, Lord God, the, the difficulties of this sermon that I might find in my flesh. So I'm calling on your name to just walk me through. Anoint me, help me, guide me. But in the same manner, I ask you to anoint the hearing of the word. Let it be received with an open heart and an open mind. And let us, let us just glean. Let us leave here not only full, but let us, just, let us walk out of here with leftovers, with room to spare. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. This is one of the most well-known and celebrated miracles that Jesus ever performed. I have memories of a child hearing this miracle being told because it's just a fascinating miracle. It's, it's literally one of the few miracles that kind of get better with time, Beth. The more you hear it and the more you read it, the more little nuances you see in it. And it just builds your faith. Your faith just rises up. Every time you hear the story of the feeding of the 5,000, you just have a, a new appreciation for the ability of God. And let me just real uh, state something really early in this sermon. His ability is that he can take what's impossible and make it possible. Jesus' ability is greater than any impossibility that might be in your life right now. The key is taking him at his word, believing in his ability, and not just believing in it, but allowing him to go to work in your life. I wanted to uh, highlight the two obvious factors that are at play in this story. 
The first of which is the size of the crowd. Everybody say it was a big crowd. Man, it was bigger than what you're thinking it was. It was big. I don't think there's any one of us in here right now that can really get a mental picture of 5,000 men. You know, there's some people that have taken their liberty and I choose really, I'm okay with them doing it. I'm just not really comfortable with with, with me going down this path, but some people, commentaries, even say that it was 5,000 men and there were a lot more people there because of the women and the children, but we don't really want to tinker with it because 5,000 is still 5,000 people. Has anybody ever cooked for 5,000 people? Yeah, so whether it be 5,000 or 20,000, 5,000 is plenty enough for me to see that there was a miracle that took place in this story. So the first factor is the size of the crowd. Joseph, this is a huge, huge, huge group of people. And the other factor at hand is completely opposite because it's such a small, small little lunch. Five little pieces of bread and two little pieces of fish. So we've got something that blows our mind in its size, and we've got something that blows our mind in its size. We've got something that we're up against that there's no way we can do anything about this. And then we've got something that there's no way that we can do anything with this. I feel like preaching this morning. Before we can really talk about the miracle, I want to talk about the pre-miracle that brought about the miracle. Because there's always something that triggers, releases, activates, sets up the miraculous. And there was a pre-miracle that literally tilted the big miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 that to ever happen. And the pre-miracle happens because there was a little boy that had a little lunch. Any of you that have children, and I know some of you in this service have grandchildren, and you would probably get tickled at this, but all of us that have children and we're in that, in that season of our life where we're raising them up, all of us know uh, red, yellow, black, or white, They are precious in his sight, but they don't share anything. And let the church say amen. I don't care how cute your kid is, he's selfish. I don't care how pretty she is, she's selfish. Kids don't want to share anything. Molly and Jeff, I know you're expecting right now, and you look so beautiful coming into this service, and that cute little belly I got news for you. You're going to give birth to a selfish kid. As pretty as he is. I forget Caroline, right? As pretty as she is. Well, that was sharp. Did y'all see that pastor? I done dropped the name of that baby. It ain't even born. Don't mess with me. I know Caroline's going to be drop dead gorgeous. But Caroline's going to have a little selfishness down deep in her. Kids don't want to share anything. They're only words, man, that they just rehash are no and mine. No, 
mine. No, mine. Mine, no. No, 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 mine. They just repeat it. No and mine. And one of the neatest parts of this story is that this little boy, he didn't have a fancy lunch. He didn't have a lot of food. But what makes this so important and worth noting is that it was his. It was his lunch. Whether he had put it together himself or his mama put it together and sent him on out the door or whether, whether his big brother or big sister helped him, it doesn't matter. That's irrelevant. What's relevant is it's his little lunch. And, and you're going to have to go with me in your mind right now and think about it. It was his lunch. It's his food. It was his substance for the day. And, and I know it's not filet mignon. I know it's not Chilean sea bass. It, it, we don't know if it was peanut butter and jelly. We just know that it's a little piece of bread, a little bit of fish. But the key is, it was his. And boy, don't you try to take a little boy's lunch from him. So the pre-miracle to this unbelievable enormous miracle started with something so small small things when you do small things it releases God to do big things when you take small steps it allows God to take big steps when you give all that you have no matter the size no matter the quality no matter the depth of it if it's yours if you will give it to God it allows God to do something that's told for thousands and thousands of years later. This was his little lunch. But yet this one small act of sacrificial giving released the supernatural. Because God always requires something done in the natural before he can do anything in the supernatural. This is the element of faith. And that's not even faith 2.0. That's just faith. Faith always is a step within your ability to release God to do something beyond your ability. Come on somebody, say amen this morning. So this little boy, the releasing of his little lunch, however small and uh, however, however small it was, it allowed God to do something great. It allowed the miracle that's known as the miracle of multiplication. Now, I'm not saying that God could not have fed the 5,000 if the little boy didn't give his lunch. Because we know with God there are no limits. God could have whipped up something from nothing. We get that. But yet it's connected. This story's connected to all the other principles of faith this little boy giving what was his allowed something, something spectacular to take place in the supernatural. Here's the lesson. If you will put what's in your hands in God's hands, God can do with it. God can do with it more than you could ever do on your own. There was a little kid song we used to sing. Some of you remember it. Little as much. Say it again, little is much. Yeah, 
You remember that little song? Little is much when God's in it. But the key is releasing the little to allowing God, Sister Becky Curry, to do much. God cannot do anything if it's not released to him. God can never give back what's not given away. If you choose to hold it, if you choose to choose to just clamp down on it and control it, you are literally controlling what God can do for you. But once it's released, once it's given over freely, and boy, it costs some things. It costs five pieces of bread and two little fish. It cost him everything that was his. But boy, look at what God did with it. In this natural world, it's easy to think that the more you give, the less you have. Our natural way of thinking is the more I freely release, the less I have to keep. And what's interesting about God, God's economy works just completely opposite of that because in the natural world, Five plus two is seven. But we see that when God's in the little, five plus two is 5,000 meals with leftovers. It doesn't add up. It doesn't make any sense to our calculator. Our little calculator that's ran by those little solar panels that we bought down at Staples. If you try to put this in there and calculate it, it would only spit out a few question marks because it's confused. Five plus two is 5,000 meals with 12 baskets left over. See, when God's in the middle of something, when God settles upon something, when he receives the little and does what he and only he can do supernaturally, now we're out of the world of mathematics. We're out of the element of calculations. Now we're stepping into faith 2.0 that goes beyond our eyesight. It goes beyond our hearing and understanding. Now we've left the natural and we've entered into the supernatural. That which can't be explained with natural vocabulary. It takes the word of God and the anointing of the Holy Spirit in the word of God to come into a life and to allow you to catch what this story is saying and I'm preaching to a service this morning that has a wonderful group of people in it that you've caught this secret but I also know that there are some of you today that find yourself in a difficult position in life and this pastor owes it to you to be able to show you through the word of God there's a locked secret in the word of God that becomes open through faith and it's revealed unto you through, through faith that when you begin to enter into the life of giving to God, even if you think it's not going to matter much, even if you think it's not going to be a drop in the bucket of the situation, when you give your lunch, when you give all you have, you will find that little is much when God's in it. And I know some of you have been coming around this church and Others of you have been coming around other churches and maybe you've grown up in a Christian home and, and you've just never really gone all in when it comes to this idea of living the life of a giver. And can I tell you that there are blessings that come upon the giver's life 
that cannot come upon any other manner than giving. Somebody say amen this morning. In God's economy, you have more left over than what you begin with. In God's economy, whenever you start giving to the, to the Lord, when you start giving to the what was that? Did, was that me or did y'all hear that? That was God saying, good preaching. <laughs> Super point. Bing. boy. Bing. We just hope that whatever that does don't go. <laughs> We'd be in trouble if right there in that preach point. Oh, we'll switch pages and go somewhere else with that thought. Stay with me this morning. Dinging and all, just stay with me. When this little boy brought his little lunch, there's always someone in the crowd. And this is not personal against anyone named Andrew. It just happens to be his name in scripture. There's always someone in the crowd that says thanks but no thanks. Andrew said, oh, what's that? Oh, what's that? Oh, oh, you got a little lunch? Aren't you a little cute little boy? Aren't you cute little? Thank you, but no thank you, little buddy. That's not gonna make a that's not even going to be a drop in the bucket of this problem. Did you look out here? There's a whole bunch of people. We appreciate that, but you go on now and just nibble on what you got that your mama gave you. Watch this. This little boy with childlike faith did not allow what he did not have to keep him from giving what he did have. If you make the crucial mistake of sizing yourself up against anyone else, Woo. If you make the mistake of saying, oh, this is all I've got. And that church, they have a greater need or, or the kingdom of God has a greater need than what I could ever do. Look at my small little offering that I can give. That's not going to be a benefit to anyone. Can I tell you what you've just done was put handcuffs around the law of multiplication that God can do in your life. Because it's not about the amount it's about the position of obedience. For some reason, this little boy, it was almost mirrored to a little boy named David. Think about David when he looked at that big old nasty smelling Goliath. And if he would have been any other little boy, Brother Harold, he would have said, there's no way. I can't even crawl up to tap him on his kneecap. I'm not going to even try. But something rose up in that little boy David and says, I don't know how it's going to happen, but something's telling me inside that I can take him out. Well, this little boy, for some reason, he thought, I don't know what's happening, but something tells me that this is going to make a difference. When faith starts rising up within you and you start crawling up the ladder of faith to a 2.0 level, you stop worrying about how it's going to work out. You stop trying to figure out how it's going to be multiplied. You just go ahead and get up on that ladder of 2.0 and say, it may not be much to anyone else, but it's all I've got. And I know that if I'll give him all I've got, he's going to give me all that I can handle. And all of a sudden, this little boy just releases this beautiful little sack lunch because he didn't allow what he didn't have to keep him from giving what he did have. If you'll just keep giving... God will keep multiplying. If you'll just keep releasing, God will allow you to keep receiving. 
The key is to getting into this cycle. And are there anyone in here that, that, that you participate in recycling? Uh, you know that old logo that they've come out with, the environmental services, the recycle logo. It, it happens to be this little arrow that goes around and then it loops back around and then it loops back around. And if you really look at it long enough, you'll see that it's actually the principle of God's economy of giving. It's just a constant cycle, releasing and receiving and releasing and receiving. And, and for some of you that might uh, be into piloting, it's almost like an autopilot. Whenever you get into faith 2.0, your life just gets settled on autopilot because you just become a giver and a receiver and a giver and a receiver and you always walk around with something to give and you always walk around with something left God's way somebody say God's way it works clap your hands to the Lord this morning I'm looking for that ding I need another ding I need the Lord to go ahead and say, ding. I'm so proud of my, I'm so proud of my mom and my dad. I'm so thankful for my parents. I have a lot of fun with my dad. I kind of pick at him a lot. But can I tell you something? I'm the luckiest man in the world to have grown up in his home. My mom and dad are some of the finest Christians you'll ever know. He's a bus- he was a business owner. He's a retired businessman. Wasn't a preacher. By the way, I get so tickled. Um, it's it's kind of weird to me. A lot of our new people think that Ron's my dad. It's so weird. <laughs> I was at lunch with a brand new church member the other day, and I was talking about my dad, and I was bragging on my dad about this. And they go, yeah, yeah, when's he going to preach again for us? And I went, never. And they're like, why not? I said, dude, no way. There's no telling what would come out of his mouth. He goes, well, didn't he do that for years? I said, no. And I'm not putting it together yet, you know. And they're like, well, didn't I see like they're, aren't they preaching? Oh, my gosh. You think Ronald Keith Lowe's my daddy? (laughs) No, sir. (laughs) My dad was not a preacher, but yet, can I tell you something? He pastored me. Never had an ordination card in his pocket. Never sent in his fees for his license. He woke up every day and went to work. Worked hard. Built a business for himself and for our family. But let me tell you something. As a mom and a dad, the greatest lessons I learned were not words spoken but it was a life lived in front of me. I grew up in the home of a tither. And I want to deal with this word for a little bit because there's some of you that are new to this church and then there's some of you that are really new in your faith. And it's important that you're familiar with this terminology and that the terminology doesn't get confusing nor does it get offensive to you. It's extremely important that you see that this is not words of manipulation. These are words that release heaven's best upon your life. And it's not a word that's, that's, that's modern. It's not a contemporary word. It's a biblical word. The tithe. The tithe is the first 10% of your income. And when you become a tither, you become someone that gives 
the first 10% of your income to the house of the Lord. What's the problem with this conversation we're having is that in our culture, there's been some abuse, there's been some misuse, there's been some misleading of this element of our faith. And I'm here this morning to kind of clear some of this up with some of you. Because I feel like this is the greatest opportunity that you'll ever have outside of your salvation with the Lord. Because some of you are living at a place that's about right here in your contentment in this life. You're working 40, 50, 60 hours. And at the end of the week, you have nothing to show for it. And it's not because you haven't gone to work. It's because you haven't included God in the full picture of your life. Let me be real clear. Tithing is not a heaven or hell issue. Tithing is not a salvation matter. Tithing is a position matter. And if you get out of position with your tithing, you might, you could easily get out of position in other areas. But let's stick with the conversation we're having this morning. When you give, Bonnie, the first 10% of your income to the work of God, what you're saying is, God, I'm going to trust you with something that is a small amount in my hands, but I know that you're going to do something miraculous with it when it becomes yours. Tithing for Denora and I, and it's not because we're some goody-goody, it was because I was taught this way from my mom and my dad. A lot of things that I am, who I am today, was not because of a preacher. It was because of my parents. And Denora and I, when we got married, I made the decision as the head of our home that we would always be tithers. But here's the key. Tithing is not a decision that I make with every paycheck. It's a pre-decision that I settled years and years ago that has become the pre-miracle in my life. This little boy, that was the real miracle that triggered the supernatural, the feeding of the 5,000. Can I tell you that I can, I can stand here in front of everyone in this room and I will do it again at 11 o'clock. That every good thing that's ever happened to me, every single blessing that's ever come upon my life, I believe with everything I have that it's because I put God first in this area of giving. Again, if I choose to step out of that, I'm not going to be damned to hell for that. It's not going to keep me out of his love, but it will keep me out of his blessing. So my question to you is, is tithing something that's just kind of hit and miss? Is tithing something that you really struggle with? Is tithing something that you could kind of live with or without? I will tell you that if that's the case, you need to look at your life as an overall view and see how that's kind of mapped out in your day-to-day -day living. If you will make the pre-decision well before the direct deposit ever hits the account or well before you get the paper check and go down to the bank and sign it, if you'll make the pre-decision that, Lord, the first 10% of this income, it's going to belong to you, you will find that once you get to faith 2.0, and make the pre-decision of being a faithful, committed tither. You will find that you're happier with what's left over than whatever came to you in the first place. 
I always say it this way, and I love to see the expression on faces because I know that they're going to spend hours chewing on it. But if you'll be a tither, you'll enjoy your 90%, 10% more. Now, I know that seems a little confusing to you, but if you'll just trust the word of the Lord, and you'll see that once you just put him first, you'll find out that what's left is more in the end than it was ever in the beginning. Someone clap your hands to the Lord this morning. So I want to challenge some of you. I want to challenge some of you. You're never too young and you're never too old to enter into the lifestyle of a giver. It's never too late to be who you always wanted to be. It's never too late to change things in your economy. It's never too late. One simple sacrificial act could literally change your tomorrow. And now I know what your flesh thinks. Your flesh says, I just don't think I can do it. Well, here's the thing. If you think that you can't do it, you're probably not going to do it. So you'll never really know what was going to happen in your life. You never would have known if you were going to be saved or not if you didn't approach him with your sin. Everything with God in relation to us, everything revolves around faith. It's always something done in the natural that will release the supernatural. Someone say, I received this. One of the great sources to experience a miracle in your own life is to be a part of someone else's miracle. If you will wake up every day looking for something in someone that you could help and bless. If you'll be a part of someone else's miracle, you, my friend, will experience the miracle for yourself. But the key is to having open eyes and an open heart and a willingness to be a part of their miracle. This is exactly what this little boy did. This little boy was a part of something bigger than he would have ever been a part of on his own. Outside of him giving the Lord Jesus Christ his small little lunch, guess what he would have had? He would have had a few pieces of bread and a few pieces of fish. But now he got to run home to mom, Terry, and say, you're never going to believe it. You're never going to believe what I just saw. I gave Jesus my lunch. Oh, baby, are you hungry? No, I'm not hungry. I got to eat too. But could you believe the little lunch you made fed 5,000 others? See, in the end, it's not about you anyway. If all you want your little lunch, it's always going to be about you and your little lunch. But if you always look for opportunities to include your little lunch sack with someone else, you'll find that you'll get your cake and you'll get to eat it too. And you'll go to bed at night knowing that you've been able to bless someone else with a piece of the same cake. Somebody say amen this morning. God cannot give back what's never given away. He has this unique way about when you release something, it's almost like he comes down in some ding little way and he causes it to boomerang back to you. It's like, God has a way of boomeranging blessings, always coming back to bless you. There's your recycle logo again. One more time. If you'll give beyond your ability, God has a way of multiplying it beyond your ability. I want to show you one last thing in Scripture this morning. It's not coincidence 
that the miracle of multiplication came immediately, Chuck, after Jesus gave thanks. Jesus gave thanks over the little piece of bread and fish, and he started to release it to the multitude. When you have an attitude of gratitude, when you have the mindset of being thankful for what you have, I know it's not much, it's just a little sack lunch, but when you're thankful for what's been put into your hands and release it, God has a way of saying, I approve of this attitude of thanks. Now let it be multiplied to be a blessing to everyone. This morning I want to close with something that I feel led of the Lord to do today. If our worship team can come quickly, our musicians, if, if you can come this morning. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reveal something to you about myself. And I don't think it's going to catch any of you by, by surprise because after 17 years of working with you and serving you and speaking in front of you, I think you've probably put this together, but one of my great insecurities, if you can just kind of stay with me for a moment, I know there's some distraction behind me, but just kind of stay here in this moment. It's very critical that you hear me. One of my insecurities is I'm always afraid that I'm going to be misunderstood. You see, I grew up in a little small town. And what's crazy about the little small town I grew up in was there was a church on every corner. To the point that there was a moment, literally, there was a moment that it was cited in the Guinness Book of World Records, the most churches per capita. Christian churches. Talk about the Bible belt, man. And not growing up in a preacher's home, I was always sitting around saints' tables. And Brother Bruce, unfortunately, there were some conversations had through the years that were not really in favor of a preacher asking for giving. Again, because there's been misuse and abuse of this particular topic and conversation we're having. So I've always been the type of preacher that's always been a little bit timid and shy concerning this because I don't want to be known as that kind of preacher. And I'm going to make myself very open and vulnerable to you in this first service. God's wrecked me this week. Because God's asked me to do something in this particular Sunday that I've never done. And he's asked me to do something. <laughs> Y'all ready for this? And this is just my humor. This is my humor at work. God's asked me to do something just three months on the job that I don't think I've ever seen my, my pastor ever do. Oh boy. That make your knees knock. But God showed me something in Scripture. There's a group of men fishing one night. Fished all night long, Jeff. Never got a bite. Never caught a thing. And Jesus spoke to them. Try the other side of the boat. 
through Matthew Henry's help, I've come to understand that the fishing boats were about seven and a half feet wide. So we're looking at about 90 inches. Now, would 90 inches really make a huge difference? I fish, okay? I fish. Larry, you're a fisherman. And, and Larry invited me to go fishing here in the next few weeks. I receive in Jesus' name. But 90 inches, is 90 inches really going to make a big difference? <laughs> in this particular situation, it was the difference between not having one single bite and catching 153 fish. But it wasn't the 90 inches that made the difference. It was the act of obedience. It had nothing to do with the other side of the boat other than try the other side of the boat. Catch this now. Here it is. Here's the secret to the miraculous. Understand who we're talking about. Professional fishermen and all of a sudden the son of a carpenter is going to tell them how to fish. That's like me telling Gordon Patton this week when he's up here working on a little concrete job we're doing. Hey, Gordon, you're not doing that right, buddy. You ready for the secret? They were not offended. They were not offended by faith at a higher level. They did not get upset with a master saying, try the other side of the boat. Their flesh, Jeff, could have said, what do you know about fishing? Their flesh could have said, are you crazy? We've, we've been fishing all night long. There's, if there's no fish here, there's no fish there. And it had nothing to do with that. Thank the Lord for one man of faith on that boat that said, We've fished all night long, and we've not caught one single fish. But because you say so, we will let the nets down. Because you've said so, we will take you at your word. We don't, we're not sure about this, but your word means so much more than our logic. Your word means so much more than our experience. Your word carries more weight than our professionalism. You said it, I'm going to believe it. And if you tell me to let down the nets on the other side of the boat, then I'm going to go all in and I'm going to take you at your word. Even though it's frustrating, even though it's confusing, even though it rubs me wrong, I'm going to take a chance on your word. And they let down the nets on the others just 90 inches away, seven and a half feet from where they've been working for hours but because of obedience you got to understand it's greater than anything else obedience been sacrificing all night long obedience to the word all of a sudden they let down their nets and 153 fish were caught and there's not one thing magical about that side of the boat there's not one thing supernatural about this side of the boat but there's Everything supernatural about obedience. And I sat right through those double doors, Elder Scott. 
in the privacy of my office. And I had a breakdown because I knew what God was asking me to do on this day. And it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with this church. And it has everything to do with you. And all of a sudden, I felt the shepherd anointing come upon my life. And I knew without a shadow of a doubt that there's someone, there's multiple, there's plenty, there's so many of you that need something happening in your world miraculously. And I've come by with the anointing of the Holy Ghost to tell you that it's not going to come with overtime. It's not going to come with extra hours in the week. It's not going to happen because you pray more. It's not going to happen because you fast more. And those things are unbelievable, wonderful, anointed disciplines of your faith. But until you enter into the other side just 90 you've been trying it this way so long and nothing seems to break open nothing seems to change it's just overtime and weariness and long hours and physical draining and you're 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 just not where you want to be in your finances can I tell you that you're 90 inches away from something changing in your world but it's going to take obedience and trying something that you've never tried before. So this is what we're going to do. I want to sow a missions offering. Not one single dime will be kept in this church. Not a single penny will be used for the operations of this ministry. Every dime is going to go out. You say, an offering, you're talking about our missions giving? No, I'm talking about right now. Never done this. Not even sure if I ever will again. But it has nothing to do with me. has nothing to do with this church. Every single penny will be sown out. But somebody in this room today... Your world's about to change because you are going to try something 90 inches away. And you're going to take a chance on God. And I know that some of you, this doesn't, this doesn't rub you right. And for you, I ask you, just don't be offended with me. I'm trying to help you get to where you want to be. I would ask you to stand. I want our ushers to come quickly. Ushers, come quickly. This morning... Let me be very clear. If you do not feel led to give, it has nothing to do with your salvation. This has nothing to do with your well standing. This has everything to do with faith at a higher level. Some of you give to missions every single month and for that we're grateful. This is not connected to that. The reason I'm saying missions, because I don't want you to think it's an offering for this church. Because I know that there's some of you that would say, well, we give every single week. Why? why is, you're missing the sermon. It has nothing to do with us. It's got everything to do with you. And I'm doing my dead level best in the anointing to help you. Because this is the secret to God's blessings it's you taking the back seat, putting God first, and taking a chance on God. 
goes against everything. I'm struggling through it, Glenn. It's not natural for me. But I know good and well when I hear from God. And I know good and well that someone in this room is about to have your world turned upside down. Out of obedience. Out of obedience. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for helping me. <laughs> Woo, thank you, God, for giving me the courage to follow you. Someone in this room is going to find me in the next week, and they're going to hug me so big, they're going to choke me. Someone's going to find me in a few weeks, and they're going to tell me it was me. <laughs> Woo. Glory. Glory. Just five little pieces of bread and two little fish. <laughs> when it's in your hands, God, it can do the supernatural. On behalf, God, of this church, I just speak unto you with great fear and reverence. Receive this statement of faith. And I ask you, God, to prove yourself faithful to these that are just going to fish on the other side than they're used to fishing. There's someone in here, God, that their heart's pounding out of their chest. Their fingers are trembling because they never thought that this was coming. But God, you're about to give them something that they never dreamed was possible as well. I speak in the name of Jesus Christ. Let heaven's best boomerang around and bless these hands that release by faith. I ask you, Lord God, to begin to work right now in mission fields. Begin to work right now in home missionaries. Begin to work right now in local shelters. Begin to work right now in food pantries. Allow what we sow, allow it to be multiplied. I pray this blessing in Jesus' name. And let everyone say amen.